Praise the name of the Lord. Good to be here. Good to have all of you here. I want to <clears throat> appreciate words my wife spoke Sunday morning. And of course, we had a lovely wedding Sunday evening. And I hope, <clears throat> you know, no news is good news. I'm sure they're doing fine. But um, Brother White came in Sunday morning and handed me a slip of paper. He was trying to, waiting to give it to my dad. He said, I want you to look this up somewhat, see if you can find out anything that he had heard a minister, brother, uh, <clears throat> who was it that talked on it from, Ca uh, from Canada, brother? Woodward. Woodward, that's right, had mentioned it at a Christmas banquet. And he, um, and, and he said, want to see what you think of this. And I just took a quick run, looked at the scriptures. I knew what my wife kind of was going to be speaking on. So I quickly called her over and I said, this sounds um, like it probably is, is valid and real. And I, I think, you know, it ties in with what you said or going to say later on about the swaddling clothes and being bound together. And um, I wanted to at least uh, draw your attention to it simply and, and go through a few scriptures. I am sure there's things that you can look up. In fact, he was telling me tonight that there's some YouTube videos. Uh, if you put in tower and um, flock and slash flock, you can find YouTube videos of people teaching and, and talking about it. The, the, the bit that I looked up, I looked up in some of my Jewish uh, <coughs> resources, uh, the Midrash and the Talmud, um, it sounds very plausible and it makes a lot of sense um, about this uh, particular tower uh, where they watched uh, for uh, the sheep that were going to be used in uh, the sacrifice. As a matter of fact, Genesis, the 35th chapter, and uh, it has here uh, the story of Rachel, Jacob's second wife. And you remember he married Leah and then had to wait two, year, two weeks to marry Rachel. And he was more in love with Rachel, but he had been cheated. And so Rachel dies and was buried on the way to Ephrath which is, and what's the word? Bethlehem. And so when you see uh, thou Ephra, uh, it is another word for Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar on her grave, and that is same as the pillar of Rachel's grave unto this day. We, I've been to Bethlehem, and on the way into Bethlehem, they have this uh, area, this mausoleum sort of that they say is Rachel's tomb. Whether or not it is, whether it had been destroyed, whether it's still standing after, you know, some 4,000 years or whether it's something that was built much later, I don't know, but it's, there is a thing, a memorial that <coughs> they will go, Rachel's tomb, and it's on the outskirts of Bethlehem. But the next verse says this, and Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the tower of Edar, or Eder uh, in the Hebrew. So that this tower of Eder was 
supposedly a tower that was right near Bethlehem. All right? Now, if you read the prophecy that the wise men read in Numbers, they talked about, uh, and I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a, what? Star out of Jacob. And a scepter shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. And so this star that's going to come out of Jacob. So when the wise men see a star in the east, they begin to explore prophecy to find out, well, what does that mean? And of course, they turn to and quote Micah, the fifth chapter, and the second verse, but thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler of Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. In fact, the wise men are reported to have quoted that to Herod when they say, we have seen his star, and we are now here following that star to Bethlehem. But if you turn back one chapter, of course there weren't chapters in Micah, an original, but if you go back one chapter in the fourth chapter, talking about this place, it says, and thou, O tower of the flock. Now many folks, the Jews believe that was the Tower of Eder or the Tower of Edar. Thou Tower of the Flock, the stronghold of the daughter Zion. Now, the reason that they say that this tower was there was, of course, in Genesis, it was not being used in the 35th chapter as a tower to guard the sheep, but it was later taken over, supposedly, by those, uh, the, the priests, who would, in fact, need to keep the sacrificial lambs within a Sabbath day's journey from the temple. And so this tower is five miles, less than five miles, about five miles from the temple site. So a tower was built, supposedly, that would, although it might have been there, might have been used for war or signal tower, or I don't know what it was originally built for in Genesis, the 35th chapter, but was taken over, and that supposedly in the top of this tower, the priests, or they would call them the shepherds, but they were priests, basically, that watched over the flock to make sure that nothing, a coyote, a jackal, whatever, a mountain lion, a bear, nothing would attack the flock. And the reason that was important, because you remember, a sacrificial lamb could not have a blemish. It could not have, have had its flesh torn. It could not have been wounded. It can't have any of that. The lambs had to be guarded year round. Typically, 
shepherds uh, would bring them into a pen and it was okay. But these uh, lambs were, of course, uh, cared for greatly more sort of whatever. Uh, observed, watched more closely because of them being used in the sacrifice. Now, supposedly, according to what I read, and what they say is that in that when the lambs the the, the lambs were giving birth in the base in the bottom room of this tower, they had a special if you will, a trough that where the lambs would give birth into that trough. And they were able to hold the lambs down as they gave birth. And when a baby lamb was born, they would wrap it in basically cloth and bind it so that in the beginning stages of the birth, it wouldn't kick around and injure itself or the mother or it would not kick and hurt itself and would not become then not worthy to be used. So special care was taken in the birthing process of these lambs. And so, um, go ahead, where these verses sort of continue on, it said, now why dost thou cry aloud? Is there no king in thee? Isn't there a king there in this tower of the flock? Is there a counselor perished? For pains have taken thee as a woman in travail. Kind of interesting, isn't it? That tower of the flock, that it talks about a woman in travail, be in pain, labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail. For thou shalt go forth out of the city, thou shalt dwell in the field, thou shalt go even to Babylon, And some Christians have said that verse was not a reference to Babylon, but to Egypt, because later Jesus was taken to Egypt. But Jews believe that that verse has reference to the children of Israel being in captivity in Babylon. Okay? So they don't believe this has anything to do with Jesus. There shalt thou be delivered. There the Lord shall redeem thee from the hand of thine enemies. So the Jews would look at those verses as they're going to come back from Babylonian captivity. Some in the Christians try to make that sound like it was to Egypt. I don't know that that verse has reference necessarily to Jesus going to Egypt. I would tend to err on the side of Babylon. But the interesting thing is this tower of the flock and this tower of Edar. Now, if you go into the, the New Testament in Luke, the second chapter, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. Now that is important because keeping watch over the flock by night would have those shepherds would have been priest shepherds if you will that were there to guard the sacrificial lambs 
Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you this day is in the city of David, which would have been Bethlehem, a Savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. And what's that sign? You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, we all hear that, and because we hear stable long ago, they took you aside. Stable is not in the New Testament. It says in a manger. Now we interpret that Greek word to mean a place where the animals could feed. <clears throat> Some say that that word manger could have referenced this tower of Edar, the bottom, because given the fact that Joseph was a descendant of David and Mary was a descendant of David, they would have had the authority to go into that tower for her to give birth where these animals have given birth. So let's keep reading. Suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go even unto Bethlehem. And see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Again, not in a stable. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told unto them according uh, concerning this child. And they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Now, why would the shepherds be amazed a woman gave birth in a, a stable? Why would that be such a great testimony to these shepherds? Well, they heard an angelic host. That's big. But this is where people say, the reason they were so amazed is because Mary and Joseph had been given permission to have the birth in this place where the sacrificial lambs gave birth and that they had chosen to wrap this baby just like... Kind of exciting, isn't it? And so they wondered at these things that were told them by the shepherds. And, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. So, could it be 
would it have been a further testimony? I, I, I can buy that. I, I can believe it. You know, if you have a crash and you like it with a little manger and a little baby Jesus in the manger, you know, and a food trough, that's fine too. I'm not saying it wasn't. But it is food for thought that possibly this was a further testimony about the birth of Jesus to become the sacrificial lamb and maybe that was what was told to him about him, that that's where he was, which would made John the Baptist go, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He was birthed in, in the lamb. So anyway, food for thought. I, I, I looked it up. I tried to follow it. And I wanted you to at least hear or see some of the verses kind of and uh, go from there. And again, it's not something that you have to believe. It's not something you have to say, ah, that's exactly what it was. But it is, uh, like I said, um, uh, kind of an interesting um, sort of turn of events. So if you would, we'll go now to our lesson. We were talking about the thinking like Jesus. And so um, I would tell you that... Um, uh, we started this lesson and we got to, we started with uh, let this mind be in you, slide six. And uh, we said, uh, we in you, which was in Jesus. And we went through and we talked about some of the things about Jesus that are about the Lord and that he is transcendent. Remember, he is above everything, slide uh, 12. And then we said that not only is he transcendent, but he is also imminent. And that next slide, 13, where it says he not only is above everything, but he is very near. And he is imminent and not, that's spelled with an A, not an I, meaning that he operates within. He desires to be involved uh, in and, and with us. And then, not only that, verse slide 14, he is provident. He has a plan. He has a plan. So don't ever believe that this, all of this has fooled the Lord. And because what we know is that God is above, God is near, and God is, has a plan. So, <clears throat> verse um, Matthew the 6th chapter and Jesus' words himself uh, slide uh, 17 Jesus basically said don't worry about your life what you're going to eat, drink, your body so we're talking about putting a different mind on a different mindset and yet it's hard not to worry you, you hear, you read and, and you, you listen and unfortunately, you, you hear one story after another of worry and anxiety and the addictions. And, and you know, I, I read a, a blurb today where, you know, someone was talking about all the online addictions and the gaming industry and, and the amount of people that have been caught up and playing games on their phones. And I, I'm guilty. I will sometimes candy crush. I made it a point, I don't buy anything, I don't add a life, I, I play a game or two and when I'm zoned out, that's it. 
But 10 years ago, I never did it. Of course, I didn't have a phone. Now, I, I will confess that when the Game Boy came out, Tetris, I, every once in a while, I, I played Tetris. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't confess those things to you, but truth. And yet now they're talking about all kinds of addictions and they're talking about all kinds of things that are, are, are able to get in. And so he said, don't worry. And he said, all these things shall be added unto you. Take no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow shall be thought of the things for itself. Sufficient is the day, is the evil thereof. And, and when you have a bad diagnosis, when you have you're looking at your children when you think of what are we going to do what are we going to do if this goes up what would happen if I lose my job what? and you can find yourself in a spirit say well I should never go to the doctor I should never plan I should never set aside money for retirement no but there is a spirit of worry and anxiety that can grip you because an individual you know I was scheduled to have my truck worked on uh, down, uh, it has an electrical shortage in it, and not this past Monday, but a week ago, I had an appointment, I went down and it said, close for a family emergency. And I, I thought, wow, and they, the number I tried to call and couldn't call, called the next day. In fact, I mentioned it to Brother Heath, I said, I don't, I took it, taking my truck down here, down here on 30th by the, whatever it's called, the Jolly Pirate and down by the, you know, the Dairy Isle, Newark Auto Electric. And he said, oh, well, I think they're related to, and he sent me a obituary, a 20-year-old girl out of Hanover, I guess on the Friday before, in a wreck and killed. Uh, said she worked at Subway somewhere. I, I, Brandy, anybody, anybody heard that story? Knew that? She's a 20 year old girl, young girl. I, what are you saying? Life is but a vapor. She's killed in an automobile accident. You know, you, you, ha you can worry or you can say, Lord, I'm going to cast my care on you. I, you hold tomorrow. I don't, I don't know anything about it other than, you know, that the, their office was closed all last week. The point of it is, when you stop and think, that's why think like the Lord. You have to be willing to say, as the Old Testament says, and Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As high as the heaven is above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Why is that vital? Because, song, maybe you've heard it, from a distance, the world looks blue and green, have I ever heard that song? And, you know, 
What are you saying? When you're in the middle of the woods and you're walking. I've often commented to my wife, man, I don't know how early Americans crossed America. I would have been so depressed if I'd have looked and seen I'm going to have to walk 20 miles in trees and climb that mountain. But a lot of times they couldn't see that. All they could see was, let's walk another day. Let's walk another day. You know? Let's go for another journey. So when you think in terms of his thoughts, he sees a long way off. All I see is mine. He's got the big picture. And I have to trust that he knows where I'm going. He knows where I'm headed. He knows. And so, 1 Peter says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you. Casting all ALL your care on him for he. So you have to at some point say, I'm giving you all this worry. I'm not going to take any of the worry. Why? Because I know that the Lord loves me. I know that he's got good for me. It doesn't feel like good, but somehow every good gift and every perfect gift I can manipulate it to get it no no where does it come from above and coming down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning so no matter what you're going through no matter where you are, you have to realize that every good gift, every perfect gift is coming from Almighty God. And that's why when you look in Isaiah and it says, as the rain comes down, the snow returns not hit thither, but waters the earth, makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth it shall not return unto me void it shall accomplish that which I please it shall prosper in the way thereunto I sit it and so if you want to if your thinking is off track what do you need to do get a hold of the word of God play a verse listen to a verse quote a verse memorize Psalms 139, memorize whatever chapter you want to memorize. Keep saying verses. What are you doing? I am trying to get my mind to think like. Because if I just use my own human ability and reasoning and who I am, and I, I've got this figured out. You know, you'll be depressed. So, to think like Jesus, you have to th think, I believe that the Bible is the absolute, true, 
and authority in the matters of faith and morals has complete authority over what I say and do. And when an individual tries to argue about the Bible, and I don't think the Bible meant this, and I don't think the Bible meant that, and I don't think the Lord, I think the Lord wants me to be happy, and I think the Lord wants me to be, and they make up words that are not in the Bible. You know what I say? You're not thinking right. You are thinking not. You're using your brain instead of letting his thoughts be in you. Because I'm here to tell you that, you know, I mean, it goes back to the very beginning. Eve was able to be convinced by the devil. Well, I don't think the Lord meant that. You can have this fruit. I don't think he really wanted you to do that. And so, guess what? We are all susceptible. Greatest gift that men have, and that is they can outlawyer their own self. Huh? I can convince you that my way is, is right. Now, if you don't have grandchildren that have that ability, God bless you. Borrow mine. Especially the oldest one for a day or two. And, uh, you know, I'll be candid. At times I'll tell her, I'm, I can't fight another time with you. You're 10. You know more than me. I've only lived, you know, 54 years more than you. But I don't need to do that. I don't need to study it that way. I don't need, I, you don't understand. I don't. Let me shake your hand. You're amazing. Already. And to be candid and to be fair to her, her sister's not far behind her. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So this is not something that is just like, oh, that never happens to us. We develop it at a very young age. I don't think you really didn't want me to have that extra ice cream. Hmm? I, I mean, there's got to be a way. So, at some point, if you're going to think like the Lord, you have to be willing to all of a sudden put the Bible in the place that it is above everything. And recognize, as Paul told Timothy, all Scripture. In fact, he told him this, in the same book where he said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. Same book. He said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness that you may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I, what I'm saying to you is, Two out of those things, reproof and correction, I mean, we have people that will argue with the doctrinal part of it, much less the reproof and correction. And somebody said several years ago, uh, you know, it's not the Ten Commandments, it's the Ten Suggestions. 
unfortunately, we have a whole society that fosters that kind of thinking. You know, people will say, well, the reason they had to rob is they felt cheated. The reason they had to rob is the coronavirus. The reason we have more tragic deaths is because people are upset and they're stressed. Okay, sure, I, I'm with you, I'm stressed. Everybody's stressed. But at some point, you don't get to do that. Anyway, here, here it is. Proverbs says, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. And thou add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Proverbs, the second chapter, is all about wisdom. My son, if you'll receive my words, hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding. If you cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding and you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk upright. He keeps the path of judgment and preserves the way of his saints. I am thankful that the Lord will preserve us and keep us when we keep his word. You say, well, I can live like I want and do like I want and act like I want and then I, I hurry up. Oh God, please help me. And, you know, all of us are guilty. I got to go see the doctor tomorrow. Oh God, I'm going to fast tonight. I'm not going to eat. I want my blood work to be good. And those sneaky devils, they can check it for two months before. Huh? I got to go to the dentist tomorrow, so I got to really brush my teeth tonight. Where's the mouthwash? I haven't had any. I got to gargle. Where's the floss? I got to work these puppies over. Huh? Oh, not me. I... All guilty. All guilty. Why? Of thinking we can, you know, you can't live like you want, do like you want, be like you want. Yes, God's merciful. Yes, God's just. Yes, God forgives. But I need to keep the way. That's why it's important to live for God every day. That's why it's important. And I realize we got people watching online, but you know, we... You have what we've always called SMO, Sunday morning only. And, you know, every church has Easter and Christmas only. Huh? If I just go to church twice a year, praise God, it's better than nothing. Well, I agree with you, but at some point, the Lord wants you to keep his word and think like him all the time. Let this mind be in you. All right. Let's, let's keep going here in Ephesians. Great is the mystery. And I, I put this. What's another thought that the word of the Lord has? 
Great is the mystery. My wife referred to this the other day, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And he was in those verses before that, it's about husbands and submission and wives and love your wives and all of those verses are before all of that. And it's all about a relationship. And, and you say, why is that important? Because the Lord wants a relationship with you. That's why he said the Christ in the church, husband and wife. I mean, I hope... that most of your marriages are not I'll come talk to you an hour on Sunday mornings the only time I talk to you all week with your husband and wife huh? I understand you might have to work be apart but hello? we would hope that there's a little more communion Amen? Amen. And, and when you look at the early church, it, it transformed some of these people. They had all things in common. They had fellowship. They had breaking of bread. They went from house to house. All of that was really, wow. And I know we, that's been one of the things that I think has been the hardest for our church and for churches in general for the year or 18 months that you know we can't get together we can't have a reception we can't shake hands we high five for so many weeks we were not even able to come why because that's a part of who we are a love one for another and that's what's one of the things that's so terrible about this virus and I'm not telling you if you're staying at home because you're concerned about your health I'm not telling you to come and subject yourself but what I'm telling you is that's the mental component of the lack of fellowship that can isolate you make you feel alone and can mess with your thoughts and the Lord repeatedly was different from that. He, in fact, described himself as a mother hen wants to. I, I'm not saying, you know, you need to greet each other with a holy kiss and in the midst of the pandemic, put on a mask and do, but, but stay connected on the internet, do something to be connected to the body. Ecclesiastes, the fourth chapter, uh, Solomon wrote, and he goes through, two are better than one, and I don't know if you were here Sunday night, but I used it because they were doing the, the chords and nodding those at the wedding. And you read all of that fourth chapter, two are better than one, if it's cold, if one falls, the other one helps it up, two lie together, you read all that. And then he flips it and says, a threefold cord is not easily broken. And that third cord is like the Lord. And if you don't keep God a central part of your marriage in this hour, I'm here to tell you, it's very difficult, the statistics for your marriage making it. Sorry. 
That's why numerous times I could have put several verses where it says, by this you'll be known as my disciples, by your love one for another, love one another, love one another, love. A loving church. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. It's not an organism. It's an or organization. It's an organism. It's a body. It is something that is together. For God so wanted to make sure the world. No, he loved. He is, the Bible talks, he's a high priest that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Connecting to the body. In fact, he said of his disciples, and he loved them until the end. So don't ever think, I don't understand. Why is God doing this to me? Why isn't God helping me? Why isn't God? Whoa, stop that. Say, that's not thinking like Christ. What I know is the Lord loves me. He went to Calvary for me. Herein is love. A greater love you won't find than a man will sometimes lay down his life for his friends. But we have a God that loved us that while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. I can tell you, I... Huh? Huh? Hard to say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll die for somebody else. But imagine, this is why Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, we are all the children of God. And he goes through. Why? And, and he hit on some things that divide people. Well, I'm a Jew, you're a Greek. We don't talk to one another. I'm a male, you're a female. We don't. I'm bond, you're free. I'm a slave, you're not a slave. I don't care what your background is. What Paul wrote is we are all one and we all need the hope of the resurrection. I don't care how rich you are, you're going to need the resurrection power of the Lord. I don't care if you've got enough money to get frozen and shot into a missile in outer space or kept in a cryogenic chamber somewhere, at some point you're going to need resurrection power. I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your gender is. <clears throat> Jesus himself said, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are what? Many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself. That where I am, you may be also. I don't care how many people say, the Lord's not ever coming back. This is ridiculous. I'm going to think like the Lord. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place. And I'm coming again. And I'm going to believe that till I take my last breath. In fact, Paul, who 
probably did not hear Jesus say that in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians says Christ is the first fruits of the dead and then he goes on to say when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ you have to think about that and remind yourself of that that one of these days I've got an exit plan out of here In fact, the next verse, so most of the time we stop right there when we're reading it at a funeral. But the next verse in that same 15th chapter, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye, what is the word? Steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know your labor. Amen. Let me tell you, sometimes when I'm, I'm wondering, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? What am I doing? I got to think, Lord, I don't know. But one thing I do know is you're coming again. And everything I'm doing is not in vain. Because every wind, every thought, every idea, every attack into my mind. Well, what's the use? What's the use of going to church? What's the use of preaching? What's the use of finding a sermon? What's the use? Nobody's going to listen. Nobody's going to, huh? What's the use of inviting? What's the use of encouraging? What's the use? You've never had to wrestle those thoughts. But you know what's the use? One day. He's coming again. You may say, well, I, I can't hardly believe that. That's why even Simon Peter, when he wrote, and I know my time is up. Nevertheless, we, according to this, his promise, what do we do? We look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, see that you look for such things. Be diligent that you may be found in him in what? Peace. Without spot and blameless. I want to tell you something. With the stressors and what's going on in society, if you don't keep your thinking... Peace without spot, blameless, and account that that long suffering of the Lord is salvation. The reason I say that is because our tendency is to escape. When the pressure builds, grab the Cheeto bag. Crush. I'm guilty. Do something to escape. The only way you can keep peace And I'm not saying Cheetos are sin or Candy Crush is sin. 
But what happens is, I didn't read the Bible today, but I played four hours of Crush. You know? I didn't have time to pray today, but man, I conquered a whole new level. Huh? I saw a miracle on 54th Street and Christmas Story and you name it, but I didn't have time to pray. I didn't have time to read the Word. And then I wonder why I'm still overwhelmed. Let this mind be in you which was in. Oh, that's why he said it like this, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in what? The love of God. Looking for the mercy. Anybody looking for the mercy of our Lord? Unto eternal life? I need his mercy, don't you? I need the mercy of God. I'm looking for the mercy. And if I'm not careful, I, I, I'll, I'll find myself, well, I, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing something else. And, I'm, and what I need to be doing is taking a moment, praying through the Holy Ghost till I'm talking in tongues, building up myself on my most holy faith. Why? Because my mind needs it in this hour. You say, well, I, what good does that do? <laughs> it just washes my mind, the washing and renewing of my mind. Why? Because our minds are bombarded. Sister Shostra and come. I know the choir's fixing to come, or Sister Susan, or whoever's here, going to play. Hallelujah. Let's stand. I'm thankful you're in the house of the Lord. And I, I understand. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know about the Omicron, the Delta, the Wuhan, the but I know who holds the world in the palm of his hands. And I don't know if he was born in the Tower of Edar or Eder or if he was born into a manger in a stable. But one thing I know is shepherds saw it and they were amazed. And the fact that he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Oh, I'm telling you, what a privilege it is. In fact, if you want to come, let's just sing a song, worship. Hallelujah. What a privilege it is to know that I can have the mind of Christ, his thoughts in my thoughts. He can take over my thinking in this hour. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah.